I just got stuck in a bogey train. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 37 of the Bogey Train Podcast. I know each time we go a few weeks without recording, you probably think we're done for good, but no. This, that is not happening again on my watch. Well, I can't say that for certain. Jengs, what's good? Just Jengs today as uh, as is custom at this point. It's it's basically the Nick and Jengs show. And if Noah ever comes back, um, that'd be great. But obviously, he's a busy guy. We know uh, he's been down at Pinehurst doing some work on number 10. Hopefully should be wrapping up with that sometime soon so we can get him back on. But no kidding. Um but duty calls. I think we should be able to get on and play that course for free just because we know him. I think that should be a, a thing. But true. Um you know it's a, it's another week, another episode, number thirty seven. Um you know, it feels like it's been a while we're actually going to get two episodes in in the month of august so that's that's pretty solid it's pretty good pretty good uh school starting soon uh thursday so yeah it's it's gonna be busy again um spent the last couple days just in the classroom getting everything set up and ready to go i should be good for the first week and a half and then i'll have to uh just keep adding on to the things i have done but i've got a good starting point for right now do you have any coaching duties in the fall no i do not um i don't have any coaching duties until november when i do some basketball coaching so there you go so yeah first couple months are just easing into the school year We'll start some coaching in November and uh, basically be coaching from November until June. So, Well, uh, I don't know if that sounds like fun or if it just is what it is. I can think of worse things, but we'll, we'll see how go. it goes. Money's money. Well, uh, I know uh, we don't have the visual aspect of the podcast quite yet, which is... Probably good considering I'm drinking airborne right now. Is that what that is? Yes. I wasn't sure if it was like, uh, I don't know, like crystal light pink lemonade or. Uh, it's like supposed to taste juice. like strawberry, but Doesn't it's actually like not strawberry. that bad. The orange is way worse. But um, so yeah, I'm going to do my best to uh, mute the sneezes and the sniffles. Uh, you could probably tell by the sound of my voice. It's not, uh, I'm not at 100%, but, you know, they say, beware the sick podcaster. So this is going to be the, like the Jordan flu game. Yeah, it's the flu cast. So, uh, yeah, we're we're absolutely battling here right now. But <sighs> lots happened in the golf world since we've last uh Last touch base, I believe. I think we are. I don't even remember. We're two weeks into the playoffs now. Um, I think last time we had the podcast, Lucas Glover hadn't even won his first of back-to-back events. 
Lucas Glover won twice. Compesco um, Open happened. A lot yeah, of stuff. We were, yeah, a lot of stuff. U.S. Mid-Am qualifier. Um, Did we yeah. have we recorded since uh, the stadium was a washout? I no, I think the last episode was before the stadium. If wow. I remember correct. Now that was a long time ago. Let me go look at the show notes from that one. Uh, August second, and so that would have been before the stadium. Yep, yep. Just like a couple of days before. Yeah. So we've. Jeez, it's been a long we've time. Missed a lot. About three weeks. That seems that seems about the pace. That's customary for the on-season podcaster. You know, we're we're more off-season podcasters. But all right, what do you, what do you do? Uh, what, what do you do? What do you, I mean, it's a hundred degrees here. Like it literally. is, it is like miserable. I saw at one point it was hotter in Watertown than it was in Phoenix today. So I don't know how high your temperature or heat index got up there, but we were, our heat index was like 110, 112, somewhere in there. Our, ours wasn't that high. Ours was like 106. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. That is hot. That's especially luckily for this I was working in air conditioning all day. I was actually, I put my sweatshirt on at like one thirty uh, in the school and I haven't taken it off since. So you so, walked out to the car in that? Yeah. And it like, it wasn't even that, like, it was weird. It wasn't even that bad. I, I don't know. I mean, huh. it, it's I was wondering why you were wearing a hoodie. Like, it was like 20 yards, but, um, yeah, uh, I guess a quick little recap of what's happened since we last talked. Um, Lucas Glover goes back to back. We don't really have to talk a whole lot about Lucas Glover. Um, you know, shout out so to him. Over He's, under eight and a half months until I start putting broomstick. Uh, who knows? It might be eight and a half weeks, honestly, like we'll as see. much as you switch up. Uh, won the Wyndham Championship, the last event of the regular season. Justin uh, Thomas Horschel. misses the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yep. Uh, he had a good week, too. He was T12. I think he had to get to what, like, top? He needed 10, one more. Top eight? We needed one more shot. If he, if that birdie putt or that birdie chip would have gone in on 18, he would have been in the playoffs. Well, yeah, and he bogeyed 16, too, like right after he made that eagle. So it was just, yeah. Um, uh, I think I mentioned Billy Horschel was in contention, shot two over uh, 72 in the final round. Good to see some signs of life from Billy, though. Yep. Uh, Obviously, he needed a win in a big way to make the playoffs, Um, as did Lucas Glover, who was 112th in the FedEx Cup standings going into the week. What is he now, like top six or something? Uh, Yeah, he gets the win. Uh, makes it to the playoffs, and then in the first playoff event, which is the is it the FedEx St. Jude? Mm-hmm. Um, he goes back to back and he wins again, which took him from 49th to fourth in the FedEx Cup standings at the time. So he was playing so much. He was playing so much better than everyone else. You could say he was a real sweat out there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I I don't even we don't even need to talk about what his pants looked like in that playoff. 
Uh, defeats Patrick. Scene. Defeats Patrick can't play in the playoff. Do we need to um, talk about a, a nervous left miss starting? Is that is this a trend here from Cantlay? Uh, we I don't, don't need remember to talk this. about Cantlay at all. I don't know if you remember the Shriners last fall uh, on the last hole when it was when it came down to him and Tom Kim. He uh, he snap hooked a three wood off the tee left there, made triple, and now That's... he's in a playoff with Lucas Glover at Memphis with water left, hooks it left, makes yeah. bogey just out of it. Um, I don't know what it is with Patrick Camp. Uh, I just, I just think that's his name now. Patrick Cantlay. Um, I just feel like every single major, the guy's like tenth, fifteenth, but never in contention, or he's like just nowhere even near the top of the leaderboard. Regular tour events, kind of same thing. But when the playoffs roll around, I mean, the guy's just fighting for wins all the time. I just, I don't get what it is with Patrick Cantlay. Um. Rory in contention at the St. Jude. Tommy Fleetwood was up there. Um, Sahith was up there. Uh, just, you know, obviously this is the playoffs. A lot of big names are going to be there. Um, Very uh, heartbreaking day for Tron Carter. Yeah. Tommy loses by one, of course. Just, uh, he said he was feeling, I don't know if this is the, the exact quote, but emotionally bankrupt after that. I mean, it's, it's so, just got to be tough when you devote your life to cheering for Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, and the guy just, has he, how many professional wins does he have? I think Obviously, I've heard no, he has like, wins. I've heard he has like six on the six. Zero I mean, that's not terrible. We're talking about a guy but, who has... But when it's like the Ned Bank Challenge in South Africa, nothing against... I mean, nothing against him for winning it, but... I mean, yeah. let's be real here. Um, and then the week after the FedEx St. Jude, this would be this past weekend, we have the second of three FedEx Cup playoff events, the BMW Championship. And our boy, or should I say my boy? No, I'm 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 on board. I, I've been on board for a while. With an all-time heater of a back nine, shoots 28 on the back nine uh, to shoot a final round 61. I believe it tied the course record, or it was the course record. He he uh, uh, actually beat Max Homa, who said who said it. I think the day before. Is that what it was? Wins the, the BMW championship. Round. At Olympia Fields. Oh, yeah, because I remember seeing a thing that, like, Max Homa had a course record at LACC, and then he had a course record at Olympia Fields. Uh, and then, yeah, Crown Vic blows that out of the water with his 61 in the final round. Uh, second victory this season, uh, that or at least this right. calendar year. Uh, he did win the... the what's he the won Bermuda? the Hero? Yeah, the Hero. Or uh, Bahamas, I think it's the hero because he won it yeah, back Bahamas. back years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Bermuda. Um, Scotty Scheffler again in contention. I should have screenshotted this tweet, and of course I didn't. But it was something like, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler lost a whole bunch of strokes putting. Victor Hovland did his thing and gained a whole bunch of strokes everywhere because that's who he is. I'll have to pull up the data golf on that. Uh, yeah, Max Homer round two shot 62. 
But again, just a stack leaderboard. Matty Fitz was up there. He was only two back. Rory finishing fourth. Brian Harmon. I feel like we haven't talked about this guy since July. Uh, but We haven't wins. talked about anyone He's since July, really. He finished his T5 with Max Homa. Uh, I want to now pull up the FedEx Cup standings. And we can look at who did make the tour championship. I know that there was some, uh, Sahith was like on the bubble. I don't think he made it. No, he did not make it in. Misses out to Sepp Straka of all people. Did, did Sahith seriously finish 31? He's 31. Yeah. Ah. Disappointing. Um, so our looking at the FedEx cup standings, the top 30, you know, a lot of Americans, obviously. Scotty Scheffler's one. Vic is two. Rory, three. John Rahm, four. And Lucas Glover is five in the FedEx Cup standings going into the Tour Championship. Um, You know, Ricky sitting there 14th. I believe he's starting five shots back. So, no, seven. seven shots. Seven shots back. My bad. Um. So got a little bit of a hole for our guy Rick to climb out of if he wants to win the net tour championship presented by FedEx. Um, yeah. Any thoughts from you? I just spent the last five minutes talking. Um, yeah, not really. Uh, it's a pretty good summary. Uh, I'm stoked for Victor. I just had to watch those highlights again. Uh, a few minutes before we started here, just because that was something else. Um, obviously, Scotty was in the mix again, like he is pretty much every week. He's using a spider now. Um, is he? Does he have a spider in the bag? Yep. He's going to uh, start putting a bad name on the spider if he can't start making some putts. Yeah, it's still still not putting great for uh, still not great for Scotty. Um. I don't know. What do you what do you think of the I don't know, what are your like overall general feelings heading into the tour championship this week? Well, I mean, just looking at the leaderboard, obviously if you're not aware of how the tour championship works, they have the I mean, I call it the handicap net leaderboard. So Scotty Scheffler, since he's number one in the standings, starts at ten under. Victor at number two, he starts eight under. Rory seven, Rom six, Lucas Glover five. Everybody else falls in after that. So being at the top of the leaderboard, uh, obviously you have an advantage. Um, so I'm looking at guys like, honestly, probably Vic or Rory again. To If I had to pick, it's going to be, you know, Vic, Rory, or Rom, I would say. I don't think just because of Scotty's putter, I mean, I just don't think he's going to get it done. Um, obviously, Victor has looked good. Rory has been uh, playing pretty well as of late. Rom is just Rom; He can turn it on anytime. Uh, so I'd say one of those three is kind of who I'm thinking is going to win. I think Scotty's going to win. I know that's way out on a limb considering uh, he's starting at 10 under. Um But who do you, I I guess it just, 
it just seems like the FedEx Cup, and maybe maybe this is just because I have had a lot less time to watch golf this year and in recent weeks, but it seems like the FedEx Cup playoffs is just lacking juice. It, I would agree. It honestly is. Um, you know, they they shrink the FedEx Cup playoff field. It used to be like what one twenty five down to seventy or down to. And I'm fine with that. It was 70. ninety to sixty to thirty. It was uh, uh, 70, 50, 30. That's what it is now. It used to be like 125, 90, 60. No, it was 125. When when it was four events, it was 125, 100, 70, 30, I think. Maybe, yeah. Um, But yeah, they they cut out uh, an event, which could be good, could be bad. With it, I like the juice. I like the Deutsche Bank back in the day. I I did like the Deutsche Bank, um, TBC Boston sit course. So the it used to be called the Barclays. Then it was the Northern Trust. That was the first playoff mm-hmm. event, um, and that one. And then Boston was always second. So the the first one usually rotated somewhere around New York, um, and yeah. then the second one was always at TBC Boston. Those two Northeast events, I really enjoyed those actually. Yeah. Now and we have now, now it's just. Memphis for the first event, and then the BMW is the only one that rotates now. It's just like I don't know. I liked and the playoffs more back in the day. I've I've seen a lot of golf heads on Twitter, and I think I saw you tweet this as well at one point. But it's like, what are we doing having the playoffs in August when two of the events are in Memphis, Tennessee, and Atlanta, Georgia, and it's like freaking ninety-five degrees? Like, what are we doing? Well, yes, there's that. And so the, I'm so sure it's not the favorite of the players, but, you know, it's just hard because obviously that's FedEx headquarters is Memphis. Um, and uh, if you hadn't noticed by now, there's a bit of a relationship between the PGA Tour and FedEx. Um, and and then, of course, Eastlake, Atlanta, Tour Championship has always been there. I don't get it. I don't I don't get that course like it. I am not. I'm never excited to watch it. I would never want to play it just by looking at it. I truly don't understand the appeal of East Lake, but that's maybe that's a question. Maybe that's for another podcast. Maybe that's for this yeah. podcast, considering it's Tour Championship Week. But yeah, I think that's a question for the player. Like, what's the player's thoughts on East Lake? I don't know. I, I don't. I've never really seen them complain about it. But I mean. I mean, even if it just rotate, like, I mean, the, yeah. the heat, the heat in Memphis, we had, we had caddies going down. Yeah. I would have like spectators filling in for Harris English's caddy. Like, just what are, I mean, what are we move doing? Move the tour championship to Memphis and just, you know, move an event north for the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. Cause like, I, I don't know. I even know like back in the day when it was the Northern Trust, they talked about, when they rotated it every year, they would give it, they wanted to give it to Hazeltine one year. And Hazeltine was basically like, nah, we're going to save ourselves for PGAs and Ryder Cups. Uh, but like just something, you know, in the, I don't want to say like the Midwest, but like the heartland, you know, something in like a cog hill in Chicago. Um, you know, well, that's something, where Olympia Fields was. That's where they yeah, went for the BMW this week. Yeah. Just, you know, have one in the Northeast. Bring back Farms. TBC Boston. I'm sure. 
Yeah, actually. Now that, um, now Liberty that National. That. Like, dude, there's yep. plenty of courses in the northern part of the country. Yeah, and they, they shrunk the playoffs to three events. I mean, that was part of them trying to get out ahead of football. Yeah. Um, but it's just... I wonder how they're going to do it with the Olympics next year, how they're going to time all of that. It's a great question. Um, another great question. If So you mentioned or you asked who do you think is going to win the Tour Championship. Who's going to win the gross Tour Championship? Who do we think just is going to shoot, uh, take the least amount of shots this week? Xander Shoffley. I'd put so much money on that, yeah. He's play. He's never shot over par at East Lake, like tournament wise or round wise. Well, just like in all the tour championships he's played, I think since huh. like 2017. Dude is um, a menace at East Lake. Looking at the guy, another question, just a random question. Looking at the guys at even. So there's five guys that started even. They're starting ten shots behind. Which one do you think is going to be the most likely? to make a charge and contend. Uh, we have Sam Burns, Straka. Emiliana Griot, Tyrrell Hatton, Jordan Spieth, and Sepp Straka. You're going to go with uh, Sepp Straka? Yeah, just because... Strep Saka? Just because he he has the most tendency to like get crazy hot. Like He could he could finish the week at 15 over, but he could also finish the week at like 15 or 20 under. Well, so could Jordan Spieth. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just... This week is also very important. We're going to talk about the Ryder Cup here in a little bit. Uh, I think this week is going to be very important for some American Ryder Cup hopefuls. Uh, you know, two of them are actually playing together in the first round. Uh, Keegan Bradley and Ricky Fowler. Two guys who, you know, have seen a lot of success this year. Keegan's got a couple wins. Ricky... Uh, was in contention a lot, contended in the U.S. Open, um, ended up getting his first win in many, many years at the Rocket Mortgage. He's kind of slowed down a little bit here at the tail end of the season, but with the ever-shifting Ryder Cup standings, I think this is going to be a big week for some of these uh, Ryder Cup guys who you know are fighting for one of those last one or two spots. There are so many guys that seemed like they were nearly locked at so many different points, but um, just with all that has transpired, it's like... Oh, we thought we thought Brooks Kepka was going to be a lock after he got second at the Masters and won, or third at the Masters and won the, U, or the PGA Championship. And now he's sitting in seventh in standings. He's not automatic qualified. Who knows if he'll even get a spot? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, one of the biggest reasons to pick him is just like the backlash if you don't. Yeah, to appease the but, crowd. But should we get into this now, or uh, is there other stuff we got to cover before we talk Ryder Cup? Well, I think we talked enough about the Tour Championship. If you, if you, uh, we probably talked about this last year, honestly. And also, we're almost at one year since we restarted this it is almost one year that's uh, uh september 19th was our uh first upload last year we're gonna have to do um, a one year of happy birthday podcast oh yeah um 
lost my train of thought. Okay, if you had to do the um, redo the format for the tour championship, what would your setup be for the tour championship? Yeah, I honestly, I want to put it back. Maybe this is just the nostalgia in me. I want to go back to how it was before. Like where the, you know, if the top five won, then they automatically won the tour championship. Um, Like, and that's just kind of being simple with it because like, I loved the, I don't even remember who it was, but they'd always cut to the guy on the marker board and he's doing the math. Like, you know, if this guy makes a birdie here on 18, he's going to get, 750 yeah. extra points that's going to vault him from third to second and he needs the guy in first to make a bogey and he'll jump into the the lead and it's like whoa like this is crazy math and you know it gave us moments like uh what year what was it 2017 2018 2019 uh tiger winning the tour champion or winning yeah, the tour championship, but not winning the the FedEx Cup, obviously. Like it's just I think it's just dumb that you know Scotty's starting at 10 under and there's guys at even that are basically walking in like, I got no chance to win this week, so I'm just, you know, playing four rounds, sweating my ass off for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much like I get from a TV's perspective like why it can be hard i think like if you really were wanting it to be like a, you know you want to give an advantage to the guys who played well all year and are in good um in good position in the fedex cup but you also don't want to make it completely impossible for the guys that are at the bottom like just not even having I, t- tv as a consideration like i think a match play bracket could yeah make a lot and, of sense and now like as far as high as you are on the standings can be like you could have more uh buys into like so like Scotty yeah. can maybe be like it already advanced to the third round and like other yeah. guys um and you know especially so now that they're getting rid of the match play uh the WGC match play like that's a perfect way to still involve match play at the professional level um you know, and give everybody a chance to win the tour championship, but still, you know, give that advantage to the guys at the top, you know, give them a couple buys. They've got less opportunities to lose early. Um, whereas like a guy at the bottom step struck is going to have to play, you know, an extra 54 holes before Scotty even plays his first hole. I mean, There, yeah. There's just there's got to be a better way. I just I don't like the format. It's it's Mickey Mousey. It's it's like club championship net division tour championship is all it is. It's you know Jordan Spieth can go out and shoot twenty under this week, but if Scotty Scheffler shoots eleven, then Scotty Scheffler wins. Like it's just that's so dumb. Yeah, it's hard. They've they put themselves in an interesting spot wanting the winner of the Tour Championship to automatically be the winner of the FedEx Cup. And uh, so this is kind of where it leads, you know? 
And yeah, like that's, I feel like that's an American sport perspective. Cause that's, I mean, that's every American sport. If you typically win the last game, the last event, you win the championship. I mean, we got the Super Bowl, we got the World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cup, yada yada. I mean, that's that's how it is. But you you point out a sport like Formula One or any like a lot of auto sports, you go into the last race. You know, if you win the last race, you could have been bottom board all year. Just because you win the last race doesn't mean you should win the the championship. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Tough maybe, one, but maybe they just shouldn't reset points. I don't like, I don't, I don't know. That would probably incentivize people to play more too. play more events. If uh, you just don't reset points at the end, you know, however many points you get is how many points you get. Play for as many points as you can. Uh, do we talk Ryder Cup now? Let's go for it. I don't remember what else I put on the. Uh, oh, this was kind of interesting. Maybe I'll. Maybe it will. Maybe we'll table that discussion for just a couple more minutes. So, in your mind, like, what does a FedEx Cup, like, what what does a FedEx Cup mean to you? Winning a FedEx Cup. Uh, it means that. Either you won the right events, a.k.a. Lucas Glover. Um, you know, that's a that's a great question. Like Rory, obviously, Hall of Fame career, four majors, 20-some PGA Tour wins. Like, where does the three, like, like, how much does three FedEx Cups elevate that? I think it elevates it. Like, I wouldn't say uh, a lot, but enough. Like 50, 50%. I mean, because you, you got guys that won the FedEx Cup, like Bill Haas, who, I mean, that's the, the only saving grace of his career is that he's a FedEx Cup champion. It elevates his a lot more than it elevates Rory McElroy's, who is a, you know, four-time major champion, um, you know, Ryder Cupper, things of that nature, players champion, all of those being a lot more to Rory than the FedEx Cup. Would you rather win a FedEx Cup or a Phoenix Open? If it is the only crowning achievement of my career i'd rather win the fedex cup because you're just going to be more well known as like oh hey fedex cup champion like again bill haas i remember that bill haas hit the sick water shot wins the fedex cup i couldn't tell you who won the phoenix open in 2013 phil He lipped out his putt for 59 in the first round, shot 60. That's that's insane that you know that off the top of your head. Um, like I, I know Hideki won some... Like Just if I think of Phoenix Open winners, you know, obviously Scotty, major champion. 
uh, Ricky, players champion. Hideki, major champion. Um, you know, you mentioned Phil, ma- major champion. But other than the big names, I don't remember who won the Phoenix Open. Um, okay, how about this? Would you rather win a FedEx Cup or a Players Championship? Players Championship. Would you rather win a FedEx Cup or have a legendary Ryder Cup performance? I'm going to take the Ryder Cup performance on that one. Would you rather win a FedEx Cup or a Compesco Open? Uh, FedEx Cup would give me a lot more money. I might. Were we talking individual Compesco Open or team division? Uh, say one one year uh, the team. Well, FedEx Cup would be a lot more money. What about uh, if you won individual and team for the Compesco Open? I'll take the Compesco Open. FedEx Cup or two man? Dude, two man. All right. Uh I was waiting for you to get the FedEx Cup or Masters Champion. That's not even worth talking about. FedEx Cup or three M open. Three M open. FedEx Cup or Cattail Crossing Pro Am Low Am. Oh. Right, Pro Am. Which I feel one, like you've that, won before, so I don't even know why that's. I haven't. Happen. I haven't. That one. You've never me. won low am. No, I've gotten like fourth, second, and fourth. Who always wins? Um, my first year it was I don't remember. Had to have been Jake this year. Yeah, it was last year, like Joe Gore or some. Oh. Um. All right, Ryder Cup. Who are our six auto qualifiers? We have, I don't have them up in front of me. Let's see I if I can them. name them. All right. We got Scotty. Yep. We got Brian Harmon. Yep. We got Wyndham Clark. Yep. Xander Shoffley, Patrick yep. Cantley, and Max Homa. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So those guys are on the team no matter what. I'm surprised Not- Max Homa is an auto qualifier. Yeah, he he played really well coming down the stretch. Uh, made the cut at the open. Well, especially considering how heavily the majors are weighted, like the fact that Homa is an auto qualifier it kind of surprises me. Yeah, uh, it helps that he's had three. Well, I counted the President's Cup by accident. Two wins in this season. Uh, and then he had, I believe, one win last season or two wins last season because it runs the two-year cycle. He had two wins last season. So four wins over the Ryder Cup cycle. Uh, and as I mentioned, he made the cut at the Open, uh, went T6 at the St. Jude, and T5 at the BMW. And I believe that the playoff events are weighted a little bit heavier as well um so those two events really help him out and propelled him up there the last two weeks he had good weeks yeah 
right. and a T T10 at the open T12 at the Scottish open. Uh, yeah, he's trending. You know, we gave him a lot of guff earlier in the year for his performance in the majors, but he, he's been playing some pretty solid golf throughout the year, you know, uh, top 10 at the Wells Fargo top 10 at the Charles Schwab. Um, and then three straight top tens going into the FedEx cut or the tour championship. There we go. I was actually, uh, when I saw Xander Shoffley, that was kind of one that surprised me because, you know, maybe the same thing with the Max Homa discussion. He, yeah. Besides, he had a few wins last year. Is that like, cause he won the, uh, the Northern, not the Northern trust. We were just talking about it's the, it's the one in California. Oh, he won. Um, what's it called? Actually, no, last year he won back to back. He won Scottish Open and uh, the Travelers. No, he made an albatross in that. He didn't win it though. Oh, what Amex? event is that? Yeah, that's what it's called now. American Express. Um, that was John Rob. John. That Rob. was John Rob. So his recent results. Uh, Tied for eighth at the BMW, tied for twenty fourth at the FedEx St. Jude, T seventeen at the Open. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Was he? Has he been in the top six this entire time? And I just, yeah, yeah, okay. he has. Yeah, I. It, he's just he and Cantley have just been sitting there. Like, yeah, doesn't seem like they've done a whole lot recently. Yeah, Cantley obviously finished second at, um, Memphis. So I guess. That's, yeah, that's more than nothing. But I'd be interested to see where Ricky would be on that list if he had a a year like this year last year, because you know he finished at what well, he's like thirteenth, I think. On the yeah, final, he's thirteenth uh, in the standings right now. But I mean, for the final standings. that's all. Like he he did absolutely nothing last year up until yeah. October. And it's astounding that he is actually you know people are calling for. Justin Thomas to be on the team just because it's Justin Thomas. And this is, you know, obviously Justin Thomas has a huge, huge part in the U S Ryder cup resurgence over the last, you know, 10 years, but all the guys done in the last two years is win the PGA. Denny McCarthy has more FedEx cup points that are not FedEx cup Ryder cup points than him. Ricky Fowler has more Ryder Cup points than him. Sam Burns, Keegan Bradley. None of those four guys won a major. Cameron Young didn't win a major. Like, we need to stop riding Justin Thomas so hard and just say, yeah, he's playing bad. He doesn't deserve to be on the team this year. It's it's hard, though, because he... He was like one of the extremely few bright spots in Paris. He and Jordan Spieth were a really good team. And then he beat Rory in singles. And then obviously he was pretty good at whistling straights. I mean, but the whole team played great. Um, he was really good at the away president's cup and uh, in Australia. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard to imagine like, it's hard to imagine the team without him, yeah. but it's it's also hard to pick him over some guys who have played so much better this year. And I, I did see today, I don't know how much this plays into a decision possibly already being made about captain's picks, 
but I did see that JT committed to play the Fortinet, which is two weeks after the Ryder Cup. No, it's uh, it's after it's after the Tour Championship, but before the Ryder Cup. Or is that what it is? I think. We're doing live research. Yep. Uh, about this. I think it's between the Tour Championship and the Ryder Cup. Is that what it was? How can you even do that? How can you have an event between the Tour Championship and the Ryder Cup? Because the Ryder Cup's probably end of September. They're going to start their fall series. Um, okay, so it'd be two weeks before the Ryder Cup. You're right. So, same point stands. Playing an event two weeks before the Ryder Cup. I mean... I know, and that's not an event he's ever played before. Wouldn't you think that a lot of the team would be in Paris, you know, scouting at that point? Or not Paris, but Italy scouting at that point? Not quite yet. I wouldn't think they'd be there yet. So maybe it's a tune-up. When's the captain's picks made? After this week, I'm pretty sure. Okay, like, so. like early early next week. So kind of just something to look out for, because I saw that in the news today that he committed uh, to the Fortinet. Um, so another thing to consider is uh, in recent Ryder Cups, the U.S. has sort of had the tendency to, I don't know if overreact is the right word, but try to try to ride the hot hand with the captain's picks. So, for instance, in 2016, they picked Ryan Moore. He played really well at the Tour Championship. He lost to Rory in that playoff. And the, and that was when the Tour Championship was just the week right before the Ryder Cup. So the Ryder Cup was that week, basically, and they picked Ryan Moore. Um, they didn't have a bad Ryder Cup, but it's like he's not a great fit for Hazeltine, and I guess just kind of a strange pick. Like looking back, you know, 2016, having a guy like that on your team over Justin Thomas or something like that is a little bit strange. Um, and then in 2018, they picked like uh, Tiger, Phil, and Bryson or something. And those guys would have combined like 0 for 100 in that Ryder Cup. Because uh, Bryson won two playoff events that year. And then Tiger obviously had just won the Tour Championship. So Tiger and Bryson were both captain's picks along with Phil, which is just an abysmal pick. Um, and those guys all played absolutely atrocious at that Ryder Cup. So it's kind of interesting, like... Um, you're seeing a lot of people saying, well, you know, Lucas Glover has clearly earned it with his play, but then some, some others, you know, I'll shout out, no laying up. They're saying, well, I mean, yes, he's playing great. Back-to-back wins is awesome, but like how you can't be certain that's going to continue a month from now Yeah, in Italy. So basically saying you have to go like on more of a body of work and like, you know, and of course, he's a Solly is obsessed with strokes gained and all that. Like you have to just pick the best players, and 
uh, course fits and things like that. So I don't know, like, what are your, what are your thoughts on like taking a hot hand or picking someone who's like, like say your last spot was down to Cameron Young or Lucas Glover. I I'm still going to take the guy that I think has the most potential. Um, and it kind of goes back to like when we were talking about the FedEx cup and, you know, I just think it's, it's dumb that a guy like Lucas Glover can get hot for two weeks and he just catapults himself from shouldn't even be in the playoffs to now being top five just because he won, you know, one playoff event and the event the week before the playoffs. I'm actually so, completely fine with that. Cause like, that's how, that's how it works. Like in the NFL, like you can be, you can have, you have an outside chance of making the playoffs and then last second, you may win a couple games, maybe get a couple breaks to go your way, make the playoffs and then you can get hot, you know, like, I actually don't mind Lucas Glover being as high as he is for getting hot at the right time. Yeah, I just i I think the points are too skewed in the playoff events. It's just and like obviously I know that you have to do that because the playoffs they're elevated, things like that. But like it's just there's a crazy amount of points going out in the playoffs, and it's been that way for for years. Um, but I would still take a guy like you know Cam Young who. I think is a much better player. Um, definitely probably has a lot more potential to, you know, play better, I guess are the right words. Like if, if someone's going to go super, super deep on a huge stage, I'd rather much have Cameron Young than Lucas Glover doing that, which probably just counters my Justin Thomas argument I made. But all right, so who I don't think we really need to go player by player, but if you had to make your six picks right now, who are you having on the team? My six right now. I'm gonna go Brooks. Spieth, Cameron Young, Colin Morikawa, Keegan Bradley, Ricky Fowler. Okay. So the only guy in the top 12 you leave off is Burns. I'm leaving off Sam Burns. And why why leave off Burns? Because I'm biased to Ricky. <laughs> it's, a, it's an honest answer. Um... I'm just looking at the data golf rankings right now. It's super, I don't know. I just don't know, man. It's like Russell Henley. Russell Henley is ranked 11 in data golf right now. He is sadly that going is to wild. be off the list. That is wild. Uh, for me. That's a no from me, dog. How can you be... According to Data Golf, the eleventh best player in the world right now, and yet in the Ryder Cup standings, eighteenth in U.S. I mean, that's crazy. There is a disconnect somewhere. And it's not even like he. I mean, he's went T two at the Wyndham, T six at the St. Jude, T eight at the BMW. I mean, that's that's all it is. Henley. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Recent form plays a huge role in data golf because Ricky yeah. was all the way up to six and he's already dropped all the way to 14, to 14. After just like a month of. Yeah. He gets his win and then he's, you know, 42nd at the Genesis 23rd at the open 58th St. Jude 25th, at the BMW. And he's just, you know, lost eight spots just like that. Yeah. Which he has been playing terrible since the win. I was a little that's, that's why I was a little, a little worried uh, about that. I wanted him to over. peak at the right week. So that's why I thought the U.S. Open maybe, you know, that would be. So I was concerned once he won uh, Detroit that if is, is that really going to be the win, Detroit? But all right. So and you're pretty confident with those six. I I like those six. I don't know. Like I hear a lot of people vouching for Bryson. Yeah. What do you think about Bryson? Now that. Maybe now that Brooks isn't an auto pick, I'd maybe replace Bryson with Brooks or Brooks with Bryson. But I don't think I want them both. I'm actually like Brooks is a question mark. And my this is what I actually was gonna get to this earlier. Like a lot of people saying like he hasn't he hasn't had great form lately on live. Just had a baby. I mean, like now that he's not a lock, like is is Brooks a no-brainer pick, or do you have to think about it for a second? I, I now I just I saw he was lower in the data golf rankings. I'm looking at his results. Uh, so he won the PGA. He finished third at Valderrama in the live event, um, and since then, T17 at Live London. T64 at the Open, and back-to-back T38s in live events. And I believe, if I'm correct, there's only 48 people in a live field. So T38 really doesn't look that good. No, it's Um, One of those events, he lost by like 13 or 15 shots to Matt Wolf, who he was recently saying he basically gave up on him. So I bet he just gave him a big old F you right back. Um. Yeah, I'm going to revise. I'm going to take Brooks out. And just for the live fans of the podcast, I'll put Bryson in. Bryson. And there was nothing sicker in the 2021 Ryder Cup than Bryson driving the green. Um, So we need that energy. Dude, Data Golf has JT Poston ahead of Bryson DeChambeau and Denny McCarthy. Dude, okay. Really, really like JT Poston. Hey, he almost won the 3M. Did he make like a 10 on the last hole or a snowman or something? Big if true. I did not know that. Um, I mean, yeah, almost won as a stretch. I mean, he got second, but I think it was by seven shots. So it, it was it was by seven shots. Well, at that rate, we might as well have Lee Hodges on the team. He won the 3M. Okay, gosh. Now it's like, all right, now time for Nick to make his pick. I don't even know. I got to have... If I'm going... I got to Yep. I got... I. According to Fred Couples, Cameron Young is a lock. He I said that on a podcast a while, a few weeks back. My three automatics are Spieth, Young, Morikawa. Morikawa is on that team no matter what. Has to yeah. be. The other three spots, I mean, there's 
again, five or six guys who could be in those three spots. So, gosh, if I had to do it right now, I probably, I probably still put Brooks on the team. So I'd have Brooks, Jordan, uh, Sam Young. I mean, he's going to be on the team. I'm just a little bit like a little bit leery just because he's just not a good putter, which is not exactly what you want in in an event like this. Uh Morikawa is 100% on the team. So that okay, Brooks, Jordan, Young, Morikawa. So I have two more spots. Um Vegas has Vegas basically has Ricky on the team. I mean, like it seems, which is, I mean, quite interesting because I see a lot on golf Twitter that Ricky, they don't want Ricky on the team. I know a lot of people are, a lot of people are forgetting, like, or I've seen a lot of uh, list of six captains picks, not including Ricky recently, which is, and people have such a a short memory. I think a lot of it has to do with his recent form just since the win and the fact that his overall record in the Ryder Cup is not really a, a bright spot is he like three seven and five or something three seven and five uh is his overall record yeah it's not it's, it's great not great so it's not what, good at all. he has what like five and a half points in 10 14 16 18 so he's played in four rider cups and he has five and a half points it's almost a point of cup, though. That's uh, it's over a point of cup. Like I, I see a lot of people putting Keegan in over him just because Keegan's four and three. Um, you know, all the live stands are calling Dude, for Patrick I, Reed. I like I like Keegan over Sam Burns right now. Actually, I do as well. Um, Bryson is a question mark. Dude, Zach Zach Johnson's in a tough spot right now. Actually, if all right, so let's name. I'm gonna go Brooks, Bryson, Patrick Reed. Which one should be on the Ryder Cup the most? Absolutely not, Patrick Reed. Absolutely but not. Why? Because I don't think he has enough recent form, and because everyone hates him. Like team, like team room is is an important piece here. That's. It's part of why Ricky's a lock. Well, okay, he's he's Ricky's a proven Ryder Cup winner, seven three and two. Yeah, he also shot eighty three on his own ball when paired with Tiger in Paris. I digress. What so, is his recent form? That's a great question. T three at Bedminster. I mean, that's not terrible. I mean, it's not. Listen, like. Could Patrick Reed go to Paris or we keep saying Paris. Could he go to Italy and get a couple no. points? I think he could. He like, definitely could. But does he deserve to be on the team? Not a chance. Nope. I I think it's gotta be Bryson over Brooks for me. I I I just I mean, if I'm going to pick a live guy, they all three of them, I just don't want to put on the team for reasons. 
Some crazy. are obvious and some are not. Crazy how much turnover there is going to be, though, from the 2021 team. Mm-hmm. No DJ. We haven't even talked about DJ. Nothing no DJ. About. No Finau. No Harris English. No Daniel Berger. No JT, probably. Well, Daniel... I wish Daniel Berger was around so I could just throw him on the team. Why? Because I like Daniel Berger. I've always been a Daniel Berger fan. I'm ready for him to come back. So, man, but Sam Burns played so good in the President's Cup. Uh, um, I say we can we can probably say a no for Sam Burns. You can make a case for Kepka and Bryson. That's I I know, and like I said, you could make a case for all three of them. But I also have reasons that I don't want all three of them on the team. I don't think Brooks has very good recent form. Bryson's past Ryder Cup record is not astound. Again, two, three, and one. It's around five hundred. So be it. And Patrick Reed is just Patrick Reed. You know what? I'm gonna just. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take my stake here. Um, what if, if we can just I, say no if, to all three of them and go with Taylor Gooch? Taylor Gooch. See, we didn't mention Taylor Gooch yet. There's, there's now these. This has to be like trolling, but the LiveBot accounts they'll say like Taylor Gooch deserves to be on the team more than Ricky. Say, well, if Ricky deserves to be on the Ryder Cup team, Taylor Gooch. Like, dude, you guys, you clearly have no idea the actual discrepancy of how well Ricky had been playing compared to Taylor Gooch this year. Yeah, he won three love events, though. Does he really? Did he really win three? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, okay, my who I would pick. Man, I just, I, for some reason, I don't have a good feeling about Brooks. Maybe you take Brooks out and then you just ride the hot hand and go Lucas Glover. I mean, that's Brooks kind of what go. Brooks was. Is he was the hot hand. He vaulted himself up there and now he's cooled off. You know, I would still put him. So I'm going to go Brooks, Spieth, Young, Morikawa. Uh... Yeah, Fowler and Bradley, the same team as you. That would be that would be it right now. And I, I've seen a lot of people going JT and then Fowler or Bradley, which I mean is probably if JT's gonna be on the team, that's probably what it's going to be. Between those two, I'd pick Ricky. Yeah. I have taken a nice liking to Keegan though. He was on a four play video and it was actually a a really fun watch, watching the uh, the side gig one. Yeah, those I are actually pretty that. cool. I didn't watch that whole video. And anything with anything with Danny Rap, I'm in. I just yeah, I just don't know, man. He he, he kind of doesn't do it for me. I mean, he's kind but of boring, to, but to each his better. own. He's better than Lurch. You know, he's Lurch. friends with Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, they went to college together. At the greatest college in the United States of America. 
Sorry, university. It's not a college. There's probably colleges there at the university. And there probably is. Um, anything else to the Ryder Cup? We don't care about the European team, so we won't talk about them. But as an American... I think it's going to be close. I As an American... I'm getting nervous, actually. Six months ago, people were saying this is going to be a cakewalk. I... I am fearing the American cause right now. Victor Hovland has been playing well. Rory is Rory. Rom is Rom. Fitz. Fitz. Tommy Fleetwood. Tyrrell. Tommy. Jeez. Yeah. This is actually. Justin Rose. Um, Ludwig. Ludwig. Sepp Straka is playing well. I mean, it seems like all the Europeans are just peaking. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of scary. Like, yeah, a few months ago, I was like, geez, how are they even going to fill out this team? And now it's like, they actually have some good options to pick from. Well, yeah, it was like two months ago, Adrian Dumont de Chassard was going to be on the team. And now it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Would uh, you pick Ludwig the... if you were if you were Luke Donald? Oh, 100%. I'd pick Just Ludwig. I would. Like, there was a, I don't know what the current standings are for the Europeans, but there was like three weeks ago, Yannick Paul was going to be on the team. I don't know if that's still the case. Oh, Bob McIntyre's an auto qualifier right now. Yep. Big shot, Bob. Gracious. Bob McIntyre is going to be on the European Ryder Cup team. And I don't know if that guy can play outside of England slash Scotland. So that's going to be a treat. Yeah, I don't know. It should be pretty good, actually. Or I think Tommy. I, I think Tommy's gonna go crazy. Didn't Tom, Tommy, Tommy's like, gonna go like four and jail. one or four and zero oh or five and zero. Oh. What? Yeah. Didn't Torbjorn Olsson like go to jail or get in big trouble for something? I thought so. Speaking of, you see, uh, our boy is released from on, prison. <laughs> on hell has been released. Yes. Do you think he's gonna be back for the Champions Dinner next year? That'd be crazy. I still don't think he's going to be allowed to travel internationally. <laughs> I don't think he can leave the country. Uh, but. Oh, so uh, Torbjorn Olsen was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault. Yeah, I thought it was, was something along those he lines. He was accused of urinating in a first-class aisle. Oh, wow. Uh, and then he was formally charged with sexual assault, being drunk on an aircraft, and common assault. That was in 2019. And in 2021, he was cleared of all charges, and now he is back on the European tour, which he does have a win this year. So, okay. Shout out Torbjorn Olsen, I guess. Anything else, Ryder Cup? I don't think so. I'm playing in a Ryder Cup uh, in a month. What, what, what do you mean? Uh, some guys at the course here have a Ryder Cup they do with some guys from Prairie Winds. And I was invited. You talk for a second. I have to go kill a spider. Okay. Well, well, Jengs goes and uh, kills a spider. I guess that was going to be my segue into... Uh, now we can talk about our our own golf, I guess, where we're at. Uh, it's been a few weeks. 
And uh, yeah, so I guess I was just going to sort of ask where he is going and what he's trying to do from now until the end of the year. I know he's been talking about trying to make some changes to the swing and uh, get uh, serious about some technique stuff before next year. Um, yeah, I don't know. We uh, it's a little bit of a disappointing year. On uh, it's a super disappointing year. It was. Uh, I won't go super disappointing. It was. Uh, it had its ebbs and flows. Um, you know, I I got near the the zero handicap mark for a little bit. I got down to a point five. Um. At, Played some really good golf early in the year. Uh, you know, some of my best golf that I've played since I was in college. And just as the year went on, it, it's it's not sustainable golf is the thing. Like I can't. No, like, I, no, I think you completely have to stop like gauging how well you think you're playing based off of your handicap. Like, yeah, I I mean, and, and same for me, like what I back, like there was, there was one year I, I had a, I had a few low rounds up at Chattail and I was like a plus something crazy. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I guess, I guess I wasn't there when you were playing these rounds that you would call some of your best golf since college, but like The the golf I saw didn't look like your best golf since college. No, the golf that you saw is just it's been oh, I don't even know. Like the well, even at the two man, like it was just there's nothing. It's a it's a literal blank slate, except the slate like still has some chalk left on it from before that you just can't get off to completely clean the slate. And so it's like a, it's a used slate that you can't clean, I guess is what that would make that. Um, that's a, that's one heck of an analogy. That's a, that's a crazy analogy. It, it's been, yeah. I mean, it, it's super demoralizing. And I think this is something I talked with you. Maybe I didn't say it to you at the, the Compesca, but it, it, there's nothing more demoralizing than knowing that you can play good golf and that you used to be able to play really good golf and you just can't do it. I mean, for, I mean, for you, it's, it's almost entirely, mechanical yeah so i mean the fact that on sunday at i mean that you shot 77 i mean i'm just gonna be frank here the ball striking is just bad it is just bad but i mean you can still score that's that's what i'm getting at is like you can make putts you can score but so i think like mentally i don't even i don't think it's that bad it's just like something I think slowly over time it something just got a little haywire and maybe got worse and worse. Well, and I think that when you mentioned it 
that the simulator made me worse. That's been something that I've been continuously like, it will be like once or twice a week. I'll just go back to like, is it this or this? And the more I think about it, the more I can kind of make that make sense. And I don't know how, like how true this is, but when I start started playing in the simulator, like even we have the video of when we played with bad of that one time, I mean, my swing looks very different than it did then. No, I'm like, I, I was never kidding at all. Like I didn't tell you this yet, but I was going to say like, you should probably not do simulator golf this winter. I don't think I'm going to. And if I do, I'm not going to do it as much as I did. And I, I don't know. I don't know what is, I mean, I mean, some of those drives, like you were like, now obviously they were going farther than the guy we were playing with, but like, some of the ball flights didn't look that much different, but you're clearly no, a same. much, clearly a much better golfer than him. You know, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot of shots that almost look similar, but you can still get it around in like mid seventies to low eighties. Yeah. But that's almost, I don't know. It, it's maybe easy for me to say, but th- that's almost more hopeful than like, cause it's like, well, if I, if I can just figure out like how to, how to get things a little more neutral, like a really good putter, you know how to yeah, score. Like, like all the just pieces hit. are there. The short game's there, but yeah. Like if you can just hit more greens and have more birdie looks, like yeah. I think you can play pretty good. Whereas yeah. like for me, I feel like there's a big mental like hurdle at the moment. And I don't exactly know why. Like I have, there's, there's so much good that I saw this year, but like just the scores were not there. Whether it was like just crazy mistakes, like just shooting myself in the foot so much. And, uh, so yeah, that's it's just it was just strange because I like I saw some just out of myself some ball striking that was probably better than it had been before. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, like I like I was saying, just the scores are not quite there. Like I had I had three double bogeys over two days at Compesca. One of them was well, I mean, to be fair, it was a terrible and lie on a hard for- pin. For the oh. podcast as well. Three double bogeys, and he shot even for the week. Well, yeah, because I had eight birdies and an eagle. So there's a lot of really good stuff. Like, I, I could have won that tournament by a lot of shots. Yeah, what now, was the... Uh... Oh, yeah, you lost by one. Lost by one with a four-putt on the last hole. We don't. We didn't have to mention that. I was going to leave that part out. But yeah, so then, like, I feel like ball striking wise, in a lot of different ways, like, I'm, I should be right up there with some of the better amateur players in the state. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I am. But then to show up, I mean, I didn't play horrible at the mid am, but like to have that, that slow first round. And then, um, you know, so I was pretty much out of it. I had a decent second round to salvage a decent finish, but then 
the uh the performance at the amateur qualifier the usam qualifier was extremely disappointing um and the state am like we only got to play one round so who's to say how i would have played the next couple rounds but i played myself right out of it in the first round i shot seven over just super disappointing especially after having i mean i buried my first hole i had an okay start i was even through um i don't know six holes or something like that but yeah i don't know i just i don't know if the golf game feels like it's in a weird spot Yeah, um, I'm just looking at the leaderboard and just seeing that Goose shot 80 the second day. Um, but that's not the point of this. Yeah, it's just, it's, what what does Adam Young call it in his book? It's the incompetent, Oh, I got to look this up. Uh, Adam Young. In Is it conscience? In, conscious incompetence? Um, yeah. So, like, in the book that I'm reading from Adam Young, he talks about, so there's, you have competence and incompetence, and you have conscious and unconscious. So, like, if you're unconscious and incompetent, you don't know what you're doing or you're not thinking about what you're doing and you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing. So like, obviously I'm not there because like, I know what I have to be doing. I'm, I'm conscious of that fact of like what I need to do, but I am incompetent in the way that I just cannot put it in motion when it matters. Like, and you, you've mentioned this, I can make a practice swing and I can make a practice swing look pretty good. Okay, that's one huge difference that I noticed between you and this other like high handicap gentleman we played with both days at the Compesco Open. So like his practice swing looks identical to his normal swing. Like brings it back way inside and then over the top. So I was like, so I was like, he might he this guy he literally might not actually know how to feel like coming from the inside. Like, I don't know if you've ever noticed that his practice yeah. swing is just no, as I, over I, the top. Yeah. Um, but yours, like your practice swing is like you, you can make your body like hit the ball from the inside. It's just not when there's a ball there. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like if it's a thought process thing, like if it's my locus of attention or cause like when there's no ball there, obviously I'm just like making a swing. I'm trying to be loose or whatever it is trying to feel a swing. But then it's like when the ball is there, I'm trying so hard to worry about contact with the ball that I just resort back to whatever is the most comfortable feeling. Mm-hmm. And the most comfortable feeling is obviously to just slap it around so I have a question. I can. So I was thinking about when we were playing and you said at one point that you hit a shot that was like, I don't know, better than the others. You were like, oh, wow, I finally compressed one. I don't know if you remember that. It was first round. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of the shot. So it got me thinking, like, is that what you're, like, when you're trying to hit a ball, like, are you trying to compress it? No. No, that, I mean, by compressed it, I literally actually hit the ball in the sweet spot and did not, like. Okay, because that, like, later, I don't know if it was the next day or something, I was, like, thinking about it, I was, like. If he if by that he meant like that's what he's usually trying to do, like that's his goal is compressing it, like it's making you hit it even worse because trying to compress it makes you come in steeper. Yeah. And you need no, to be shallower. Like you need more of a feel of sweeping the ball off the turf than like compressing it into the turf. I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take myself out. I'm just gonna start teeing the ball up on concrete and I'm just gonna have to start picking it clean. Either I'm gonna I mean, break a, I'm gonna break a lot of clubs or I'm gonna figure out how to hit the golf. Yeah, if there weren't if there weren't new T one hundreds at stake, like that's not even a bad idea. Hey, I've still got the AP threes at home. I haven't sold those yet, so their their value is gonna go down a lot. Yeah, I think I think a, a simpler way to do that is that drill that I told you. Yeah, the one with the like, T. Yeah, because if you're if you're coming into the ball like with like a very steep angle, like you can't even make contact when it's teed up that high. Well, and it, like it was when we were hitting range for the second day and we had Smitty there talking to us. Like, I mean, I know what I have to do, Like, I know what it looks like on the outside of how to do it. I just don't know the feeling in my body when I'm consciously thinking about it, how to do it. Cause like, I, it was my ongoing joke that I look and there's these stripes of divots, like these, you know, here's a line, here's a line. And I come so far over the top that I can't, I can't make a divot line because there, there's no way to make it line up. And I, I don't know if you also heard on a uh, whole nine red, I made a joke about how far left my divot was pointing. Um, yes, I did hear that. I don't know if you saw where it actually was pointing. I never saw it. <laughs> uh, let's just say it was pointing um, left of the white tee box of one yellow. Yeah, that's not great. Which it's, the more and more I think about it, it's amazing I can even make contact with the ball half the time. It's like the fact that you can break 80 says a lot, quite honestly. Like I'm, I'm being dead serious. And I agree. <laughs> like that's, I'll come home after a round of golf and it'll be like, yeah, I shot 77 again. And the fact that I can even shoot 77 blows my mind. Yeah. I completely, completely agree. So what, what's the, what's the plan of action? Plan of action. I actually thought about maybe trying to go to, um, vitality, but I don't think I just can spare that much money. Um, I don't think I have enough money to do that. So, uh, 
plan is to work with a few of the drills that I've already been working on uh, and the one you told me. And I'm going to also try and see if I can get two, maybe three lessons in before the end of the year. And also I'm going to be in the process. I'm going to have what I'm going to call the, the train station, um, which I'm going to clean out a stall at where I lived growing up in the garage. And I'm going to set up a little practice area in there. Get a launch monitor too. I thought I've looked at buying like the $500 Garmin R10. Yeah. Just to, to have something. Cause obviously I don't have 15 grand to spend on a GC quad, even though I'd love to, um, you know, if you or someone you know has just a spare GC quad laying around that you want to loan me, um, I'd appreciate that. That's for Quads all the, are so the nice. listener out there. Um, they are so nice. Like, I, again, I've been talking a lot about Adam Young. Uh, you know, I was watching a couple of his YouTube videos. Like, he has a YouTube video where he just goes through a practice session. Uh and I mean, it's just so nice. Some people have it so nice, and I'm just here. What do you think the best part of your game is right now? Maybe that's an easy question. Putting. Putting. I I went and I so I took my stats from the weekend. Um and obviously some of these are gonna be skewed, and I'll explain why, but from this weekend, putting was a one handicap, which I also had like four three putts or five three putts over the course of the weekend. So it was a little higher. Um, but my approach and my driving, like the two things that you actually have to swing the golf club for are abysmal. I lost, according to this two shots approach, um, for the weekend one and three quarters driving. And the only reason my approach numbers is at two is because of the amount of drives that I put in a place that's just not playable. So when I'm hitting a recovery shot, it actually gains shots just for getting it back into play. So that's why you're saying it's skewed. Yeah. So like four yellow, for example, where I hit my tee shot in the trees and then I hit that little seven iron up by the green like I gain half a shot for that just because I'm in a recovery situation because yeah. my tee shot put me there. So, I mean, my approach shot should be much, much worse than they appear to be. But. Um, I don't know how close you were paying attention to what I was doing, but watching me, what do you think were the best and worst parts of my game? I, I've always thought that your approach game has been really good. Um, you know, I'm just kind of going hole by hole over the course of the rounds, like the first round specifically. I mean, you hit that really good iron shot on our first hole, the par three, which set up a birdie look. Um, 
you know, nine, you can't really blame on approach because your ball is literally on a patch of dirt that you can't even make clean contact. Uh, um, the par five where you had what, like 170, 180 and hit it to 12 feet to make Eagle. The, yeah, like your, your approach game is, is solid. Uh, if I, if I had to pick one or the most solid of all your, your game. It's probably, which I, I like when that's the case, when, when I'm hitting my irons good. And I did feel like I was hitting them pretty good over the past two days. That was the one thing like through the middle of the summer that sort of left me and mm-hmm. I was hitting some pretty wayward shots with irons. Um, the driver was a little bit hit and miss. It had a pretty bad start, actually. I had a lot of misses like high right uh, to start the first round. Yeah. Um, but I think once I got that corrected, I was driving it pretty dang good. Um, yeah. And I think that was kind of with, I mean, with your irons too, you had a couple irons and it was the same way earlier this year where it's like, you know, maybe just a, a, a block, right. That just doesn't move back like 17 the first day. Um, I think that was just, that was probably less of a block and more of just like mentally being scared of the other mm. shot that, like is not in my bag as much as it was in June. The just the just the big pull hook with the iron. Yeah. But like every now and again it still makes an appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think I had done that quite yet that day. I'm trying to think if there were any I hadn't really I hadn't done it, but you know that just because obviously you can't miss left there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that was a no, horrible spot I, to leave myself. I don't think you really did it again over the course of the the day. I feel like there was at one point when maybe I hold one left. two or you missed one left. No, no uh, two. I mean, uh, that one landed on. Yeah, just it just trickled off. Three. What'd you do iron. on? What'd you do on hole three? You hit a good one there. Yeah, I hit it to like 20 feet. Five and six, you but, hit good ones. I mean. Yeah. And I think both days I started actually fairly hot with the putter and then cooled off as the day went on, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know what exactly the reason is for that, but at least to have been hot at all with the putter is an improvement. Yeah, yeah I don't know if that's like a like a comfortability thing. Um Cause like I was kind of that way the second day too. I felt like, um, you know, the first few holes that I really had the speed dialed in and I was hitting some really good putts. Like I could have birdied hole eight. I hit a, had a nice two putt on nine, almost made that long one on one red. And then it just felt like as the day went on the, you know, 30 footers, that mm-hmm. I was hitting to like two or three feet. I was now hitting to five feet. Like it, at the end of the round, I mean, the three pars I made, I had like four footers to four to six footers to save par each time, which mm-hmm. I didn't have earlier in the round. So I don't know if it was just, I, I don't know. 
Um, yeah, actually, I don't. Um, we haven't really talked about the mid am at all, but I did change my putting. Um, I guess my process a little bit going into that. So I, I was still pretty much lost on the greens. Um, the practice round, I putted absolutely atrociously. Um, I was going back and forth between cross hand and conventional. And then after the round, I spent like an hour, an hour and a half on the greens. Like everything just felt horrible. And then, uh, morning of, of the tournament. I just, I somehow convinced myself. So I was, I, I was using the line on the ball, uh, which I hadn't been doing for about five years. Did you do that this weekend? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, so back to using the line on the ball, which is forcing me to be more precise with the spot where I'm aiming rather than just trying to like, especially last year I had a putter that like didn't have any alignment on it. So I was just sort of basically just relying on my own, I guess, feel and perception mm-hmm. to like try to put the ball on the right line, uh, which sometimes is good, but recently has just been a mess for me. So I was trying to just pick a read and now using more of my feet than my eyes, which was, which is also like against what I was doing earlier in the year. Like if, if I felt like my eyes and my feet disagreed, I was going with my eyes. I started not doing that. So I'm trying to rely more on my feet, um, picking a read, putting the line right there, and then just sticking to it and doing my best to trust it. And I actually putted pretty good uh, in the mid-am qualifier. I mean, I shot 74, but I hit the ball pretty dang bad. So I actually, um, I didn't have any three putts and I scrambled decently well. Um, And just like kind of a turning point was on the ninth hole that day, I had, well, I was coming off, I think like back-to-back bogeys or something stupid. I can't remember exactly. Um, but had a really good tee shot and I had like 80 some yards into the green. I was like, all right, I'm going to make a birdie here. Hugged my approach shot left. I th- It was so bad. I thought I was going to go in the bunker, but it ended up getting a really good kick rolls down this hill. So I had like a 15 footer for birdie. It was like downhill and it was probably breaking like at least four feet, just like a huge bender. And I was like, well, I got that great break from the fairway. I got to make this putt. Now I told that to my playing partner mm-hmm. and just like played it way out there, lined up the ball and then hit it. And like, it just went in dead center. And I was like, I don't know. It just kind of is a little bit of a turning point. I don't know why, but just to see that putt go in. So I think I'm sort of turning a corner with the putting. It's not like all the way back as you clearly saw, like the second half of, that uh second round even the first round i missed some um i missed some makeable putts but i also made like back-to-back 40 footers in the second round if you remember that so early in the year i wasn't making long putts at all yeah i'm trying to think of so seven eight nine 40 footers where did you make a 40 footer two and three red Two and three. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the the one for par. We we played that stretch. Probably one of the easier stretches of golf holes on the entire property. Yeah. 
and we played them like we've never played golf before. Yeah, because the next hole I doubled. Which is like a 320-yard par four, like very short par four. And I bogeyed. I mean, yeah. But uh, were you telling me that you're like a John Sherman fan? Yeah. So I've been listening to a new golf podcast by, well, it's not new. I've been newly listening to, it's like the mental golf show. It's by a guy named Josh Nichols. Oh, yep. Um, so he, he uh, one of his recent episodes was he had John Sherman on. And this was from all the way back in June when they recorded it, but he's just now releasing mm-hmm. it. But uh, he just qualified for the mid-am. He did, which is pretty, which is pretty yeah. sick. Wild. So he's um, he's about he's about to make me uh, buy his book. Did you read that book, The Four Foundations? I I have not read that one yet. I do have it, but uh, I started with Adam Young's book first. the The practical the the practice practice manual, uh, and I'm going to read that one, and then I'm going to go to John's after, or at least I'm going to get through the first section. And then I'll go to John Sherman's, but yeah, I kind of got introduced to them. So I listened to this golf podcast. I've talked about a few times chasing scratch. And it's these two guys uh, started like five or six years ago. They were like mid thirties. They were 11 handicaps. Their original goal was to get to scratch in one year from 11 to zero in one year, which is a crazy goal, like crazy goal. Um, now it's six years later, they're down to like two or three handicaps you know, they've worked with numerous names in the, the golf content industry. Uh, you know, they've worked with Adam, they've worked with John Sherman, they've worked with Jason Nichols, uh, you know, just a, a huge slew of guys. They sponsored by Titleist. They've done the TPI thing. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what got me introduced to Adam Young and John Sherman and then I saw that they had a podcast together and I was like, Oh, I got to listen to this. And I've been listening to that for a year now. And that's the the sweet spot. And then with those episodes, they always endorse their books. And so that's what, what got me to buy their books. You know, what's, uh, what's getting me motivated. Not that I wasn't already motivated to like keep getting better, but Drew, that yeah i mean he's beaten me in three straight tournaments that we've played in the same tournament if you want to talk excuse me about a resurgence (laughs) like we we've had drew on before um it's nick's brother but kind of after what like sophomore year of college he didn't play all four years did he no he only played the first two and those two were not Probably not anything he would uh, write home about. Yeah, he kind of like fell out of competitive golf for for quite a while. Like didn't really play, kind of fell out of golf in general. Like didn't really play a whole lot. He still liked to play, but yeah, it wasn't, didn't seem like he was super serious about it anymore. Um, And then last year, was it around the Compesca that he just, like he played well in the Compesca and I feel like he just really got back into it after that. No, I think it was before that. Was um, it? He he started like uh, stat tracking, like oh, probably yeah, with, sometime before yeah. last year. It might have even been before last, like the year before, even. 
Uh, but I think at that point, that was when he was like really getting back into it, trying to like improve his handicap. And then this year, he played in a couple of USGA qualifiers. I mean, he didn't, it's not like he qualified, but he, he beat me in both. I mean, to pulled come out down for and, an eagle in one of them. Yeah. I mean, to come down and, you know, shoot a 73 at Minnehaha, that's not a bad round at all. No. Um, Shout out to Mike Vowles, too. Like, literally his first competitive round of golf since college. I thought I saw that he was playing that. Uh, 72. He shot a 72. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I truly don't think he had played a real competitive round since college. And, uh, yeah, so I, I was impressed. So both those guys beat me. So, um, yeah, must not be that hard, I guess. Well, it's apparently pretty hard. You only beat me by uh, 14 this weekend. So so I've heard that. Uh, I've been hearing more and more that like from, from the people that are like very intentional about improving, that stat tracking is a very integral part of it. And I sort of like I, I started getting on the stat tracking train earlier this year and then I kind of fell off. So I think one of my goals for next year is going to be to like be serious about doing that again. I also have to figure out which platform I'm going to do it on and then stick with it. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think like for me, it, it is really good to know, you know, like where I'm gaining and losing shots, but you know, it's, it's obviously deceptive and it comes down to me knowing like why I'm gaining or losing shots, like kind of keeping that. Cause like, I'll go to just Sunday's round. Uh, my strokes gained driving was minus 0.12 per shot. My strokes gained approach was 0.04 per shot. Again, a lot of punch outs, recovery shots. Uh, and then like my short game was minus 0.07. Putting was minus 0.02. But like knowing why that is, like obviously I hit a lot of tee shots in places that tee shots should not be hit. Um, on a 350 yard par four, I should not be a hole over with 155 yards of the fit to the flag. Like there's just, there's no reason for that. Just stupid stuff like that. Um, putting, you know, three putting from 20 feet on the same hole that you hit it 150 yards, right? Probably not a recipe for success. Like, so it kind of helps me know you know, like what, what I'm doing wrong, what I need to work on the most. Uh, because we're at the point where, I mean, we've probably been there for a couple of years, but we can't spend as much time on golf as we used to be able to. So, I mean, if, if you are actually serious about continuing to get better, you have to be so intentional with your time mm-hmm. and your practice time and like what you're doing. So but and, I, I want to be, I want to be up for the challenge. Like I want to be like, you know, who knows, you know, what's to come. But like, if, if I'm like in my thirties or whatever, like even forties, like still a competitive amateur golfer, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Admittedly, this is the first time, a first summer, probably since I was still in college that I actually went out and hit range balls. Like, for practice, not before a tournament. 
like sometimes I'd go out and I'd hit like, you know, a few buckets just to kind of dial in before the the two man or the compesca or something like that. But like, you know, just a random Tuesday where it's like, you know, I'm going to go hit balls and go work on stuff. I haven't done that in years. Uh, then I started getting back into that. I'm going to, I'm calling it right now. I'm quitting my job at the golf course next year. I'm opening up a lot of time. I'm playing a lot more golf next year. There you go. There you go. Uh, what about for the rest of this year? Do you have like, or you, you think you're going to be able to get out at all? I, I'm going to be able to get out. Um, you know, it's, it is fall golf season. Fall golf is the best golf season of all. Uh, so I typically do like to play a lot of fall golf, you know, probably it hopefully one round every weekend. Um, and then get out maybe for nine holes during the week or at least some practice during the week. So I plan on trying to be out there. Um, I mean, and like I've kind of said, the rest of the year is it's really chalked up score wise. It's a lot more, you know, working on stuff now because I got nothing to play for the rest of the year. So why waste the next three months dealing with the swing I have now instead of trying to fix it? Exactly. I agree. So that's what the rest of the golf season is going to be like in the winter. And hopefully, you know, counting down the months, I changed my watch hand today. So now I got to get used to that. Typically golf course opens in April or May. So I've got about 10 months, 11 months from this exact moment before, uh, the 2024 golf season starts. I think that's plenty of time to make a effective swing change. So did I say 10 months? I am way off. Eight months. Eight months. There's not 14 months in a year. There's only 12. Yeah. Eight months. There but eight months, still plenty of time to make an effective swing change for next year. So that's uh that's kind Great. of where we're at. Anything else before we call it? Uh, yeah, shout out to me and Nick. We got fifth this year. Dual 68s, you know, we uh, we took too many bogeys. We took... That's that's absolutely true. We took it's two bogeys that, and a double. I mean, you could also say we didn't make enough birdies, but the biggest problem, we took, we went over par way too many times. Yeah. I mean... Wait, how many How many bogeys was it? Just two? We took two bogeys and a double. Oh. Honestly, that's... I thought it was like... I thought we took like at least like four bogeys. But we we very easily should have shot seven under in round one if we or at least six under if we take a bogey and turn the double into a bogey. Like yeah. we're we're not we're four shots back instead of six at that point. Yep. And also, are you I know you're you're getting married early June next year. Are you like what's the deal for the two man? It'd be good. Oh, so you're not like going somewhere? No, I think we'll probably do some sort of mini moon after the two man. Because, wow. uh, well, I have state golf that weekend. And then the two man is the weekend after that. And so we'll probably do something after the two man. And then, you know, try and plan something bigger for the future. Hmm. There you go. 
Wait, so how how many weekends are there? How so you're saying there's a weekend between your wedding and the two man? I feel like those would be back to back weekends. It is back to back weekends. Yeah. Oh. But like our wedding is on Saturday. State golf is Monday, Tuesday. Gotcha. So like wedding will be Saturday. I'll wake up Sunday, get in the suburban to go to Yankton. That is crazy. <laughs> on Monday, Tuesday. Uh come back Tuesday. And then the the two man is we typically go Friday or Saturday or whatever. Where depending on where it is. So that's that's usually my busiest week of the summer. And now it's even busier, but that's a kind of my fault because I might have been the one to pick the date. So I don't remember wow. if I did or not. Picked it just so I couldn't play the mid am. Maybe they shouldn't make the mid am the same weekend as my wedding. True. Uh, shout out to Drew and Josh, back to back Compesco Open champs. I don't think they were too uh, happy about it this year, though. No. Because they uh, threw down some cash in the Calcutta and they didn't exactly have a great second round. So, yeah, it's playing under the pressure of monetary value is, uh, you know, I, I learned a little bit of how the pros feel. You know, it's like if there's a, a late bogey or double bogey or three putt or something with someone who wasn't necessarily going to win, but they went from going like solo second to like tied fourth or something. And it's like, oh, they just lost however many hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like, except that, you, that last four putt cost me like 200 in shop cred. Yeah, except you were going to win. Well, or yeah, at least there's tie that. for the win. Um yeah, we don't need to talk so what should about we, that. What should we do with the uh, the bulky train moving forward? I, I feel like it's almost lacking a little juice recently. What should? Well, we need Noah back first of all. Noah, um, getting back to weekly, hopefully not too far in the future. Yeah, um, usually, I mean, once golf season is done for sure. Um. You know, obviously for us, we don't get a long golf season. So we like to take advantage of as much of it as we can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it makes finding time to record a little bit difficult. But, you know, not much you can do in winter. So, yeah, it's, you might as well sit in front of your computer and talk golf while it's. That's what I would do anyway. It's either I sit in front of my computer and talk golf or I play Halo. I mean, it's one or the other. Maybe we'll just become one of those uh, scratch, uh, chasing scratch channels, just documenting our attempts to get better. <laughs> that's, that's basically what I am at this point is a chasing scratch. I think uh, probably after they post the round from, I don't know how much I'll fall, but I think I'm going to fall back into the threes after they post the second round from the, Compesca. So they'll post it. We don't have to. I think they'll post it. Prairie Winds posted it, but I don't know if Cattail will. They're typically. Oh, geez. I, I posted lazy. mine for Prairie Winds too. So it's probably in there twice. I mean, I might post my Cattail one just because, but um, well, yeah, I'm going to do that right now. We'll do a live on air. This is how we'll end the show. I think we'll have to do a little more uh, 
like picking a uh, specific topic per episode and going in like yeah we were really we were really good about that like we'd have uh our foursomes and stuff like that and it's just been a lot of off the cuff type stuff lately which which is good for maybe like one of every however many episodes but uh the last few have probably been not our best but we'll try to we'll try to get a little better about it it surprisingly did not take me into the threes. It kept me at a 2.5 somehow. So um, I guess I did have a 4.7 just sitting in there that wasn't being used. But that's based on... I have five rounds until a score drops, a counting score drops again. So I think at worst, I'll probably stay at 2.5 to close out the, the year. At best, I maybe shoot a couple 74s or 75s to bring it down a little bit. But not going to change my handicap, unfortunately. Or fortunately, however you want to look at that. So, well, have we gone long enough? I think we have. I actually get to... uh, wake up tomorrow there's a former teacher who puts together the he retired a a few years ago um so it's the you all have to go back to work and i don't because i'm retired golf invitational so it's a bunch of teachers and former teachers uh it's always just a fun thing so since i'm a new watertown teacher i get to do that tomorrow uh, you're going to play go golf school Thursday. Yes, I'm playing nine holes tomorrow morning. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, it could be, could be ugly, could not be ugly. Who knows? Maybe I'll try and pick up the game left-handed. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, we'll report back probably. Uh, well, I'd say after they report the captain's picks, I'd say sometime, we should. Sometime yeah. after that, yeah. Yeah, like close after that because uh, we, we'll want to talk about that. True. True. All, All right. right. Well, bogey train fans, thanks for. Made it uh, through somehow. Yeah, thanks for staying on the tracks with us. Don't Got a little to, derailed, but not too bad. Don't forget to tip your waiters. Tip your waiters, uh, or or buy your your Maitre D uh, Jengs. You can get him a GC quad. We're gonna. Um, yep, we're gonna we're gonna get get back on the saddle. Get a little more a uh, little more regular and. Hopefully a little, a little better uh, planning for the episodes. Not that these are bad, but um, but recently we've been, you know, a little more f- further and far between. We're kind of like the McRib, you know, like not around all the time, but you got to savor it when when it is. It's like or the, the Shamrock, Shamrock Shake too. Yeah, there we go. We're big McDonald's fans here, obviously. If you can't tell, uh, we're not as we're not like the fillet of fish, which you know is only popular for a month out of the year, but is around all the time. You know, we're 
we're popular when we come around. So we'll be back soon. If hopefully sooner than our one year anniversary of bringing it back. Uh, yeah. We should have for our one year anniversary, we should try and get every guest that we've had on the podcast oh for like my. a big mega show. That all would be of, all three of them. <laughs> yeah. Who, I mean, who have we had Mac? Oh, four. Drew. I forgot about Mac. Who else have we had? Mac, Drew, Noah, and Lando. Oh, Lando. That's right. I'll see you at Cole Workus on sometime. That'd be a fun interview. Yeah. I Like, I want to get, like, an actual... Like, how we had Drew on and he works in the golf industry. Like, someone in the golf industry that we could get on. Like, a you know, club pro, a superintendent. You know, we'll see. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll have to make something. In the I just, I just came up with a nice idea. Uh, he just got married, so he's probably got a ton of, ton of stuff going on right now. But I might have to, I might have to see if Cole Workus wants to come on the pod. Yeah. Went from uh, making fun of me in high school for playing golf to one of the biggest golf fans I know. So. We'll have to we'll have to keep that in mind. Well, that's a little tease for the the audience. Will we yeah. get a Cole work exciting? Well, oh gosh, I hope so. We get a Cole, we, we get a Cole and Lando episode. That'd be fire. Oh gosh, that could get dangerous. That could be good. Well, I don't know how many times I'm gonna do the outro here, but uh, it's like you could start the. I just got stuck in a bogey train and then cut it out and then we come back and then it just keeps speaking going back of and forth. speaking of I was just trying not to laugh during the tournament oh, this weekend yes. when guys were playing just, with just like kept talking about being on the bogey train. I actually did say it at one point too. I don't know. If yeah, but I was I heard you, but I was coming off a bogey double, so I was just like not in the mood to like interact with it. Yeah. And I threw, then I threw that ball in the cattails and made a birdie on the next hole. And then I was back. You threw a ball in the cattails. Yeah. I sure did. When? Uh, when we were on the red six T. Hmm. Brought out a brand new ball, hit it to four feet, made birdie. I mean, you threw your ball in the cattails. I threw my wedge 30 yards. There's, we're, we're one in the same. Exactly. And uh, I guess we're, no, I was on the bogey train. I just got stuck in a bogey train. Mm-hmm.